Hi, I'm Marilyn Dennis, and this is Marilyn Dennis Does a Podcast. Today marks the first annual National Day for Truth and Reconciliation here in Canada. It's also Orange Shirt Day across the country. My guests today are regular contributors on my TV talk show. They are the season seven winners of the Amazing Race Canada, two-spirit couple, Anthony Johnson and Dr. James McCocus. Anthony and James open up about the last intergenerational trauma caused by the residential school system and what this day means to them. This is an eye-opening conversation with two of my favorite people on the planet. So here we go. These are meaningful and challenging topics to discuss, you two. And before we get started, you're going to lead us through a sacred smudging ceremony. Tell us about that. I'm very, I, I just want to know more about that. Sure. So I'm just going to light some smudge. And while I'm doing that, maybe Anthony can just give an idea about the importance of why we do that. Okay. And then I'll hold it for him while he is doing that. Okay. So we smudge when we talk about difficult topics because these medicines that we use, which come from the land, protect us. They help cleanse our spirit. They help us to deal with some of the negative emotions that might come up or challenging emotions. And so what we do is, why don't you explain? So Anthony is just going to make a motion to him with the medicine and smudging his ears so he hears good things, his eyes so he sees good things, his mouth so he speaks kind words to people, and his heart so he has good feelings in his heart. And lastly, all the way over his head, and usually people do on their feet just so that they're walking softly and kindly on the earth. And I'll do the same thing as well really quickly. We usually start our days like this and before we're talking about heavy and important topics as well. Mm. So we would just like to offer you some as well, Marilyn. Thank you. So we offer you some smudge. Mm. And also that if there's anyone out watching the show who's having a difficult time, that this smudge can meet you wherever you're at and that you can feel good and have a positive feeling through your day and you can get through whatever struggle you're dealing with. That's such a... Uh, a meditative thing to do as well. And that sets you on your path for the day. This orange shirt day, it takes on a completely different meaning than in years past um, for all of Canada. And so, James, let's talk about how the meeting is for you and, and what you want us to take away from today. Three generations of my family went to the Blue Quills Residential School, which is close to our reserve. And so I'm the fourth generation that didn't attend that school. Mm -hmm. I'm not fluent in the Cree language. And so you can start to see in my generation how it's impacting even four generations later, which is about 100 years later. And language is so important to who we are as a people. And when we think about the length and legacy of the residential schools, which aren't schools in conventional terms, they aren't a happy place to go. Mm. In the Cree language, it actually means um, the crying building where you go to learn. So it's not a, a positive thing. And when we think of that they existed for 160 years, sometimes people say, well, Indigenous people just need to get over that oh. because they're over. But when we think of 160 years from now, which takes us to 2156, it's going to take at least that amount of time for our people to heal, to remember those teachings, those songs, language ceremonies that we weren't able to do 
forcefully under the government's law during that time. And so wearing these orange shirts is representative of remembering that commonplace in our history and how we all have a responsibility to help those survivors of residential school to carry on and for us to come together like we are supposed to here on Turtle Island. Right. What a, what a great explanation. What was the definition of the school again? It was a place to go cry? Yeah, a place where you go to cry and oh learn. Oh, my goodness. Initiatives that are happening. Now, Anthony, before we talk about James, uh, we're going to talk about initiatives. But, Anthony, what does Orange Shirt Day mean to you? Well, I'm from the United States, so this conversation is just beginning there. And so when I came to Canada, I was like, we're talking about Indigenous issues on the news. So it was a, a big surprise for me. And I'm really grateful that something like Orange Shirt Day exists because... When I started healing myself, because growing up on the reserve, often you grow up in a trauma-saturated environment. That's what the reserve is. It's a trauma-saturated environment. There are many beautiful things. There are also many challenges that we inherited because of, you know, social and uh, economic and political history. Right. And so to wear the orange shirt for me today means to acknowledge that history But it also has a deeper significance, not only because of the mass graves that have been uncovered and the need to have that discussion, but through our public speaking, we've been very fortunate to travel to many different First Nations across Canada. And it is very heartbreaking for me to see the impact of the residential school system on children today. Children born with fetal alcohol syndrome, with mental health challenges, with both parents who are in addiction, being raised by grandparents who perhaps themselves may be addicted or challenged or stressed or having a difficult circumstance. And if you think about our shirts, right, like our beautiful shirts that were made by an elder from where we both work, they chose to put these images of deer and teepees and buffaloes and sun and mountains and the life that we have here on Turtle Island. And all of that was taken away forcibly from countless children over many generations. And so if we all wear a shirt one day to acknowledge that history, to actually wake up to Mm -hmm. the horrific conditions Mm -hmm. that exist in Canada, in Mexico, in the Mm -hmm. United States all across South America as a result of colonization, you know, a shirt, orange shirt is a start, but it's definitely not enough. There needs to be action. There needs to be more Mm -hmm. uh, going on. And I'm just grateful that we're at least acknowledging the history for one day as a start. So much information and so much that we need to learn. This orange shirt day, there are initiatives attached to the orange shirts, and I want to talk about that because we have to step up. So tell me a little bit about that because we want to participate. We need to participate. So all across the country, there are different fundraisers that people have that people can purchase orange shirts where the proceeds go to the Indian Residential School Commission, um, which helps to helps Indian residential school survivors to help heal and all of those sorts of things that are required to move on in a Mm -hmm. positive way. 
Anthony and I are continuing our fundraiser to build a Cree Cultural Healing Center in Kihiwan Cree Nation. And we're developing um, surgical caps for surgeons and anesthesiologists and um, emergency room physicians to wear orange caps. Where they'll be embroidered with, you know, a child's handprints on them to oh, demonstrate yeah. their support to patients as they're in the hospital settings. Because we know that it's those little things that make a difference it that does. makes patients feel safe and comfortable. Um, if physicians are wearing those, and it's an open door to a conversation and removing barriers that that Indigenous people often have in the healthcare system, where they fear going in uh, because of mistreatment and racism. So I think. When I walk down our street here and I see orange shirts hanging in people's windows or mm -hmm. red dresses hanging on people's trees mm -hmm. in their front yard or signs that say Black Lives Matter or Indigenous Lives Matter, I it, it feels that people are understanding and I feel a sense of safety and inclusion within the community, knowing that other people are starting to have these conversations in their yeah. homes and in their families, which is very much needed. Every child matters. Every child matters. Anthony, let's talk about that phrase in itself before we say goodbye to you both. I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. Every child matters. But, you know, it has a particular significance for Indigenous people because our societies were structured, centered around the elderly and the children. And so it's the people who hold the wisdom and those who are going to grow into holding the wisdom and everything into the ceremonies, the food, the hunting. And so when we say every child matters, what we're talking about is this idea of intergenerational inheritance of wisdom and action that produces a group of people who are existing in harmony with the earth and mm -hmm. harmony with each other in harmony with other nations. And naysayers might say, well, if you look at indigenous history, there was conflict, there were wars, there were different, you know, uh, uh, groups who had differences of opinion. Sure. Yes, that's true. And there was a whole process in place to mitigate those challenging times through pipe ceremonies, through healing circles, through smudging, through gathering together. So again, that children could grow into the elders uh, that they need to be. And when we talk about action and initiatives, mm -hmm. you know, yes, there are fundraisers, there's wearing shirts, you can read books. James has a ton of books. I'm sure he'll put them on Twitter for people to get educated. But there's also a call to action, the Truth and, Reconcilia uh, Truth and Reconciliation Commission has drafted calls to action that serve as a guideline for organizations who want to take action. Mm -hmm. And it's really about looking at your policies, looking at your strategies, mm -hmm. looking at your funding, most importantly, mm -hmm. and reallocating those resources in order to make an impact. Because education and awareness is great, but that's all uh, uh, useless if there's no action and there's no resources dedicated to making these changes that are necessary. I think Marilyn, I just want to add one quick point. Yes. When you talk about every child, when you talk about every child matters, we learn so much from the natural world and environment around and that's around us and our elders teach us to be a very observant of those things. And so when we think about the importance of children, if we reflect on the teachings of the buffalo, when there's a threat to the buffalo herd, what the buffalo, the adult buffaloes will do is put their buffalo calves in the middle 
and form a circle facing outward around to face that threat head on. And they're modeling for their herd. If there's no children left to protect, right. then nothing for the future. And I think that's what we need to do in this country is to put, remember that our children are the future mm-hmm. and without them, there will be nothing left. And what do we want to leave for them? And that's a responsibility that we all have, especially as it comes to the future of Indigenous children. So I invite all people across the country to just reflect on that that small teaching and how are you going to be that strong, powerful buffalo protecting those children that came here to reach their full potential um, on this earth life. I forgot to mention, Marilyn, there's this whole thing like, my grandmother, my cookum, my dad's mom, Yeah, they ended up taking the, over the Blue Quills Residential School in the 70s with a group of elders from our community and the federal government. At that time, it was like Pierre Elliott Trudeau and Jean Chrétien, who are the yeah. leaders. And they told our elders, um, you know, they wanted to take over the school to take over educating our own children. And what they were told at the time by Pierre Trudeau and Jean Chrétien was... Well, no, you can't do that. And we'll, we'll give you six months to fail and you'll fail. <laughs> and that was 50 years ago. And now that residential school is now Blue Coast University where our people are, you know, getting uh, bachelor's degrees and master's degrees and doctorate degrees um, and educated in our own Cree way of knowing and knowledge. And it's, it's such an important story because that's the first indigenous controlled education institution across the country. And um, if it wasn't for the vision of the elders of Treaty 6 in that area, Mm -hmm. that that wouldn't have happened. Anthony and James, I so appreciate the conversation on this very special day, which should be every day. And I appreciate your time and your friendship to explain all these very important matters. It really is, it's so much more conversation will be done and I, I appreciate you leading the way on this show. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for inviting us. I always learn something new when I speak to Anthony and James. They are educators, activists, positive role models for all Canadians. I really appreciate the time that I spent with them. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Let's take care of each other. Until next time. Marilyn Dennis does a podcast. New episodes every week. You can download or subscribe on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. 